smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Benyera, beautifully done, sensational. Coming up on Le Bourget, Lyon and Lille maintain the pressure on Paris Saint-Germain as the champions show their mettle in Montpellier. Marseille continue to grind out wins, but it's the end of the road for Patrick Vieira at Nice. My name is Matt Spiro. Welcome along to Le Bourget, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. Um, we are here uh, in Robbie Thompson's flat. How are you, uh, Robbie? Very well, Matthew. Welcome, everyone. And uh, a big weekend of football. I'm looking forward to chatting about it for the next hour or so. That's good. And PSG got a win. So Robbie's in a, in a better mood this morning. Uh, a special morning because producer Ian Holyman is making one of those rare appearances that I'm sure listeners around the world uh, look forward to throughout the season. How are you, Ian? Well, after that, that sort of intro, Matt, I'm absolutely buzzing. Great to have you on. You were commentating last night, uh, Leon's game against Mets. And we're actually going to start with, uh, with that game. Leon uh, went into the contest in excellent form. Let's hear what happened in Lorraine with Ian Holyman. Bulaya with the penalty there. Great opportunity for Mets to take the lead, but they don't. It's wasted. Now Toko can be on the right, pulls it back. Here's Depay. What a finish. Crisp strike from the Dutchman. Oh, what? Turns it on beautifully to Toko Akambi. And Leon have turned it on. Right at the start of the second half. Carl Toko Akambi crashing that one home. Mets nil, Leon two. Nicely done. Very nicely done by Lucas Paqueta. And here's a great opportunity for a third for Toko Akambi. His second, Leon's third. He's battled his way through and a chance here. Pulaya does make amends for that early penalty miss. So Ian, uh, Leon running out 3-1 victors. They are um, the form team in France at the moment. Six wins and a draw from their last seven. They're still just a couple of points off the top. How, uh, how impressive was this victory? Well... That's, a, that's an interesting question, Matt. They're, they're actually 10 unbeaten now. So it's a great run. Their best, their best run under, under Rudy Garcia and uh, best run for a, for a couple of years now. It could have been very different had Farid Boulaya, the Mets player, not, well, taken probably one of the worst penalties I've ever seen uh, six minutes into the game. You got it on target, Ian. I mean, got it on target, which is more than, <laughs> which is more than Denny Buanga did in the derby, which is, uh, which is fair enough, but... Anthony Lopez chalking up a penalty save, which really I could have saved. Um, it was a really poorly struck penalty, not well placed, n- nothing about it anyway. But after that, Leon were very impressive. Lovely goal from Memphis Depay uh, for the first one, really just drilled in this shot, brilliantly precise. And then uh, then it was the Carl Tokua Canby show. He was really, really very, very good indeed. Got seven goals for the season now, looking in an excellent bit of business for Leon. For those who don't know Ian, he's about six foot two. Is that about six foot two? And you know, he's he's quite a presence. So um, I would imagine that. I would imagine he's quite good at 
at, at saving penalties. Um, that's the thing. I, you know, I, I was listening, uh, as, as I tend to, to um, French radio on, on my way here, Leon fans phoning up. At, and, you know, we talked about in recent years, Leon's problem um, being their inconsistency, their inability against the smaller teams to take the game to them and, and, and to score the goals. And it, that's something that Leon fans are really happy about, that they're, that they're managing to do it. They're not just a defensive team now. And some of the goals, you mentioned Memphis's first goal, but the second as well, with a Memphis back heel at the start, Awas, wonderful pass through to to Click. to Toko Ekambi. Um, you know they're 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 doing it with style as well. They they really are. I mean, their front three. I mean, Kadawari didn't have a great game yesterday, but he was he was involved in that second goal, and the second goal really was a thing of beauty. Memphis back heel, Kadawari little ball inside for Iowa, and and to describe it as a pass or a flick, it, it was a bit of both. It was an outrageous sort of improvised little just touch with the outside of his of his right boot from from our kind of scooped it round it was the only way that Toko Akambi was going to get the the shooting opportunity and he absolutely smashed it home it was just a, it was just a fabulous goal going forward they're looking so good those three if if Kadawari doesn't fire then Toko Akambi and Memphis do if Toko Akambi doesn't then it's Memphis and Kadawari and and so so on we go i think they've got They've got something like more than two thirds of Leon's goals this season. Um, they're really important. What what will be interesting is if one of them gets injured. Let's hope they don't. Of course, they've got Musa Dembele to come back as well into the side, but he's a very different sort of player to those three. Not as mobile. He did come off the bench yesterday. Looked pretty much like he looks most of the time in in recent months. Not that great. Um, but Iowa, Iowa also made a difference yesterday, coming back into the side after being disciplined for that uh, refusal to to take part in the in the warm down after the Angers game. Having said that, if we can just go back a couple of months, a couple of weeks, excuse me, the Angers game, Leon probably should have lost that one and actually won it one nil. Cadawere, they got lucky. Lopez made a few few saves. Angers finished badly. That could have been the end of the unbeaten run, but that's probably the difference between Leon this season and Leon in previous seasons. They came through it and got all three points. Um, uh, Robbie, two more goals for Carl Tucker Ekombi. Do do we? Is this the, is this the Carl Tucker Ekombi that were, that Leon fans wanted run out of town after? Well, after this is what the, I was going to say. He, you know, he was getting a lot of stick, and I think he was hurt by it. And um, he missed chances against Bayern Munich in 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 the uh, in the semi-finals like mm-hmm. he hit the post was it once yeah. or twice and yeah. everyone was they, he had these nicknames Carl Poto Ikombi and and all all sorts and 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 stuff like that and apparently he hit the post again uh, uh, on he hit the post a lot on Sunday night he does <laughs> well he did he hit the crossbar, hit the crossbar from he hit the, the body yards he out. hit the crossbar yeah. he's already got two goals and he, he he was very very close to a hat trick and it would have been fully deserved because he was brilliant but, but but that's what can change in a couple of months Matt it's the same for Rudy Garcia Leon fans saying we play the worst football ever this is just a, a disaster our defense is too slow you know they haven't got over Marcelo the midfield's not clicking. Bruno Guimaraes is on is on the bench every match. Now he's back. Lucas Paqueta looks like he's starting to click a little bit. The front three are clicking. So you know, suddenly all change, all rosy, and maybe people who were 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 laying into Leon six weeks, a couple of months ago, should take a look back and say, okay, well, fair play. They're 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 turning this around slowly but surely. I think things are going so well for Leon that they didn't even need Rudy Garcia on the sidelines yesterday. He was he was serving a touchline ban for uh, stepping out of his technical area 
in a previous game. So he was up. He was up in the uh, in the stands, probably scribbling down notes. Although I did suggest in my commentary that he was probably doing a crossword because his side was so comfortable. Um, they looked really, really, really good. And Robbie, you know, it doesn't come out of the blue that people are, are critical. I'm just looking at their scores this this season, Leon. Between round two of the season and uh, round six, so five matches, they they didn't win. Um, this was a side that had been in the Champions League semi-finals. Everybody thought, oh, maybe they can mount a title challenge. They took four points from from those five matches. So you know, the critics don't just come out of thin air. But I I always thought the critics on Toko Ekambi were harsh because even in the final eight, I thought he was. He was really important to Leon's counter-attacking style because of his pace and his uh, his ability to to go in behind. And yes, he missed chances against Bayern Munich, but uh, you know I don't think he'll ever be a world beater. But he's a good footballer, and he gives you that you know with that speed. Um, and you know he's got he's got decent control. He knows how to finish, and he's got seven goals already this season. Absolutely, I think he's I think he's a good player. I think, but yeah, he's not a he's not world class, but he's very good. Same goes for Tino Kadawiri. But uh, what happens when you have a couple of world-class players or nearly around them and they're, and they're in form and confidence is high? Well, that can change everything. Well, we'll, we'll look ahead to the big match on Sunday between, uh, between PSG and Leon. I have one more comment about the match yeah. last night. Yeah, and go it's borderline again, good girl. The two red cards. Oh, I mean, gosh. This, oh. Is, this is madness. This, the first red card for me, I felt for John Boy... Okay, their arms are raised, but they've both got arms raised. They're, they're tugging at each other in the box. Marcelo goes down holding his head, as, as players do. I thought it was a little bit tough. The second one on Ryan Shirky is just surreal. It is never, ever a red card. Never, ever. And, and it's got to be overturned, surely, in, in midweek. But, but his, knee, his, 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 his foot's raised and he catches the goalkeeper on the knee and the goalkeeper goes off injured. He's, walk, well, he's running, well, Matt. Well, I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what happens. The ball, <laughs> he, gets, he gets played in, does Shirky. Probably should score. Of course, Ukija, the goalkeeper, rushes comes flying out, out. Comes flying out. Yeah. The, the surface, of course, is a bit, is a bit you know, wet, a bit damp. Akija, the the ball goes wide. Cherky puts it wide. It's a bad miss, in, in, in if if truth be told. Akija's momentum takes him through. Cherky's momentum makes him continue, and he steps on Akija's leg, and, and, and hurts him, a, and, and probably and hurts, hurts him. him. And, oh, absolutely! Yeah. I mean, Akija was really he was really not quite screaming, but certainly shouting in pain after it. But there's no, there was absolute, it wasn't even a challenge from Cherky. Okay, question for a referee then. Um, had Cherky managed to dink that into the back of the net and then gone through on Akija, would it, would it have been possible to send him off and give the goal? Or do you have to rule the goal out for a foul? We'll, 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 depends we'll, if the we'll ball put that to a referee. I, I was listening to French radio and uh, they assured me that it is possible to, to send him off and to give the goal. Well, the, the, the thing for me yeah. is, like yeah. Robbie, it was never, ever, ever a red card, and I said as yeah. much in the commentary. No, it I was mean, literally can happen neck- in football. You can have contact. You can players can get hurt. That's yeah. that's it, part of football. It was it literally his that. next step. Exactly, after shooting it was his the next ball. step. He, he couldn't. He there was no way that he could even plan to have caught Akija. If he, the timing would have been almost impossible to do it, it was never a red card. Well, there's a good chance that Ryan Shirky will be suspended for that big game PSG against Lyon uh, next Sunday. And we'll talk about that. But before we do, let's find out how PSG got on at the weekend. It was, uh, it was a big game because Montpellier um, at home, they'd won four in a row. Uh, another win for Montpellier would have taken them to the top of the league. 
Um, I commentated the match from the Stade de la Mosson. Here is what happened. Here's a good ball from Di Maria in the opening goal. Oh, a really good finish from Colin Dagba. He's got Mavadidi free at the far post. This is Laborde. Laborde going into the box. Mavadidi, surely. Oh, it's off the line. Mavadidi again. And somehow it stayed out. Well, hang on. Mavadidi says it's a goal. Yes. The ball has crossed the line. Mikel Lesage pointing at his wristband that clearly vibrated. And a relieved Steffi Mavadidi has a goal to celebrate. Ambrosi on go. Can't get that one. Well played, Rafinha. Moise Cairn now. Moise Cairn. Oh, he goes past Congrey. That is magnificent. Moise Cairn with an absolute beauty. Paris Saint-Germain back in front. Di Maria again. Kazawa, brilliant. Kazawa's cross, and there it is. PSG have surely sealed victory now. Kylian Mbappe, super sub tonight, coming on and... Uh, Putting some icing on the cake for Paris Saint-Germain. Yes, Paris Saint-Germain running out 3-1 victors. Uh, Mbappe with that goal at the end, his 100th goal for Paris Saint-Germain. But before we talk about Kylian Mbappe, Robbie, this was a really good win for PSG. Thomas Tuchel made eight changes from the team that uh, won at Old Trafford. I have to admit, I looked at that starting eleven. He played for back five, including Kozawa uh, as one of the uh, three centre-backs. And I thought, hmm, Montpellier have got a real chance here. But actually, PSG largely controlled the contest. Absolutely, they did. They enjoyed the majority of possession right from the start. Interesting, the 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 five three two formation, which we saw in the second half against Manchester United. We saw it in the second half against Leipzig as well. Maybe this for the first time starting a match. We have seen it during during the season quite a bit in, in the second half of matches. Good performance, plenty of positives. Killian's one hundredth goal, but also fantastic finish from Moise Keane a first ever goal for Colin Dagba as well, the France under-21 international. Best performance in a PSG shirt for me from Rafinha, who looked very good in midfield. Ghana Gay was looking to get back to, to his best as well. Timothy Pembele in just his second match, the 18-year-old fullback. So look, plenty of positives from, from that PSG performance for me against what is and what remains a very good Montpellier side even without Andy Delors. Yes, I think Montpellier I said this in the commentary Montpellier definitely missed Andy Delors but you can't really complain when you consider, you know, Neymar stayed stayed back in Paris and Mbappe and Mbappe Marquinhos on the bench, Verratti not there. So PSG missing uh, missing a lot of players. I was also really impressed with uh, with Rafinha. I thought in terms of uh, combativity but also you know the, that, that that ability to get forward to mm. find space in, touch, in between positive. the lines. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now he played really well. Should he be perhaps in Thomas Tuchel's plans? You know, as as a first choice, Ian. We know that midfield has been a, has been an issue for PSG. Well, Matt, it's, it depends on what Tuchel wants, doesn't it? I mean, it got a sort of sil- he's a very sort of silky player. He's not sort of the, the the sort of bullish midfielder that maybe Danilo Pereira is. He's he's got a bit more quality about him than than and Paredes and and probably and I don't think this is uh, being too disrespectful disrespectful to him. A little bit less fight as well. But uh, if you want that little bit of extra creative quality in in the midfield area, then I think yeah, absolutely get Rafinha in. He's got a couple of assists already this season. More than he's uh, more than he's managed apparently in in La Liga in, in the last couple of seasons. So if Tuchel is looking for, for a man who can play that ball through, I mean, you've got players 
know, Mbappe, if you want to use his pace, then Rafinha seems to be the ideal man to, to, to link up defence and attack. And Moyes Keane, Robbie, it was, it was interesting because Mbappe was getting ready to come on. And it was one of those where, you know, the next stoppage, he was on and Keane was off. Um, but, I mean, what an emphatic finish. I mean, he just burst past his man on the right-hand side. And, and, and that finish, you know, sometimes you say the angle was tight. Sometimes you say the goalkeeper, mm, near post. But when you look but at sometimes that, sometimes it's hit angle, that hard. Yeah. Every, no goalkeeper in the world saves that. No, and uh, that was one of the two assists from Rafinha so far this season. For He won the ball back and then released it quickly, but there was still plenty for Moe's Keane to do. He took on Congre one-on-one, went around the outside of him, and then, as you say, from that impossible angle, he beat Omlin at his near post up into the top corner, but it was an absolute exocet missile. Keane, he's, a, he's an interesting player. He gets through a, a mountain of work, back to goal. He, he, he's a real handful for... For opposition defenders, physically as much as anything, he does. He's not permanently making those runs like Cavani was in behind and stretching, stretching defence and then coming back and coming deep and helping out. He really is more an Icardi type, but he does. He presses well, but, and physically he's even more impressive than Icardi. I think he's a real handful for defenders one on one, shielding the ball. And Congre just showed him a little bit too much respect as well in that one-on-one, and that's why, and probably because he, he'd been battered and bruised for the, the previous 77 minutes, the finish was, was sensational. And it's a finish of a player who's high on confidence as well. Confidence is everything for a striker. And uh, Keane, that's his seventh goal already this season for, for PSG. It, confidence, confidence is everything. Do you think it was respect from Congre or the fact that he's about 35 and... Keane's about 21. I think he's only 33. I was looking at the stats because I was thinking Vittorino Hilton is so old and I'm not one for ages. Everyone that listens to the podcast (laughs) will know that I'm a disaster, but maybe I have some competition there because I think Daniel Congre, surely we can can check this. He's been around for a very, very long time and and Keane's a youngster, but Congre's a good player. But I just think that he he is absolutely, but I think that if it had been a Cardi, Congre wouldn't have been that far away from him. Yeah respect and yeah Moyes Moyes Ken I was calling him Ken in the commentary that's what the Italians call him we've really got to get get this sorted and be consistent guys but yeah he's only 20 you know I I I also thought a bit older you said 21 Ian because he has been around for quite a bit but he's only 20 and you've got to take that into account he was a bit disappointing at Old Trafford I think in what was generally a really good performance from 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 PSG but you're gonna he's not gonna be brilliant in every game but Mm. it's you know it, it is impressive what he what he's doing so far he's 20 Killian 21, 100 goals already in 137 appearances for, for Paris Saint-Germain. And I just wonder if we if we take him for granted a little 49 bit. 49 assists as well, man. 41 assists. I was, during the commentary, thinking, okay, one it was 1-1 for quite a long time. You see Mbappe warming up and you feel this kind of inevitability is going to come on and score. In the end, okay, Moyes Ken got the got the second, so it, Mbappe's wasn't really the winner. But the guy the guy is just phenomenal. Um it's unusual to see him on the bench because he because he plays almost every game. Do you think, Ian? Do you think we we do take him a bit for granted now because we've been watching him for almost five years? Yeah, the, the, I think I've made this point before is that you, you mentioned there that, that that Ken's what twenty, and we're expecting a lot more of him because of Mbappe, because Mbappe has come through and just he's he's, he's been like Wayne Rooney, really. I mean, these, these guys come along once in in a generation mm. in world football, not just. You know, in, in domestic football or European football, we're talking about an absolute phenomenon here. We're talking about a multiple, surely he's a multiple Ballon d'Or winner. And who have we seen that from before? Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, pretty much about it. 
you know so yes i, I think he's mbappe has spoiled us in 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 many ways and absolutely we 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 do take him for granted and then somehow he manages to pull out another feat another thing where you go just takes your breath away and you just say that was amazing uh, Robbie, Leonardo, the sporting director, says that uh, talks are, are progressing, going nicely in terms of a contract extension. We know that Mbappe and, and Neymar are out of contract um, in 18 months. Um, they've got to do everything, don't they, to try to convince him to, to stay on? I, I think any team in the world would love him. This is the time to try and get him to, to re-sign, I think, with, with COVID and with so many clubs around the world struggling. It might almost be a, a blessing in disguise for for a team like Paris Saint-Germain that already have Neymar and Mbappe. And who knows, maybe Lionel Messi next year. No, what? isn't that the rumour? The Ian, word, word on the street? It's, it's the rumour that's been created by Neymar, who came out <laughs> after the United game. Do you think he said, was just joking or just had spoken to, to Messi and said, look, why don't we put the cat amongst the pigeons? Watch what I'm going to do after the game. Well, he was asked, tonight. wasn't he? he was, I think he was asked in the press conference um, directly about it. About, who, who do you want to play with next year? Or would you like to play with Messi next year? Yeah, I, 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 to be honest, I will, we'll have to check it out. But yeah, I was told that it was the question was put to him that would you like Messi alongside you at PSG effectively next season? So it wasn't so much, you know, do you okay. have to play with Messi? You know, wherever it is, it was more, can we see you playing? You know, with with, with Messi, is that the next uh, next project for for PSG? What do you think, Ian? Because the feeling is it's probably probably not going to happen if 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 you've got Mbappe's salary, if you've got Neymar's salary. Um, would you think that would be a move? No transfer fee, though. No, would, for, but would, uh, for Messi? Would, would it be an improvement, Ian, to bring the best player on the planet if it means sacrificing Kylian Mbappe? Oh, that's surely the wrong thing to do, isn't it? Oh, Messi's 33, that I'm very sure of. Mbappe's <laughs> 21. Soon to be um, 22, isn't his soon birthday to be coming up in oh, a couple of weeks? He's passed it, isn't he? 22 in December, I believe. Um, no. That that surely cannot happen. They they cannot sacrifice Mbappe for that, even to just please Neymar to get. I mean, I'm pretty sure that Neymar, if it comes down to it, would choose Mbappe over Messi as well, wouldn't he? Ooh, I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, if he doesn't, <laughs> if he doesn't, I mean, Neymar did say that he would happily give his place away for Messi to play. Yeah, look, it's like saying you know me having to choose between roast potatoes and Yorkshire pudding for my Christmas. Meal, you know, I'd like them both, obviously. Well, I thought you were going to say between me and Robbie. With, for a, the bit gravy, with a bit of gravy on top. Listen, I've, I've been out and about this week. I managed to get down to Dijon um, to speak to a fellow compatriot, Jonathan Panzo. Uh, young English defender. He's also 20 years of age. He's playing regularly week in, week out um, for Dijon. He is a young lad who left Chelsea when he was 18 to, to go to Monaco. Uh, things... Things were difficult because Thierry Omri, well, Jardim was sacked, then Omri came in, Omri was sacked, Jardim came back in, uh, Panzo was loaned to Circle Bruges last season. Um, Monaco decided they had far too many players on their books. So here he is at Dijon. He's doing really well. Um, very, very bright and, uh, and charming young man. One of the things I asked him was, uh, was, was, was about that game that he played at the Parc des Princes. Dijon lost 4-0. Um, and, and I asked him the question about what it's like uh, to play against Mbappe and against Neymar. <laughs> it was a joke. It's like defending against robots. It's just like, they're so fast. They're just so good. It's just so hard to, to defend, to control. So just that experience to play against them sort of players is always, is always good for me. Now, Mbappe got two goals late in that game. Yeah. And that quite often happens with him because he's sort of relentless. And then towards the end of the game, 
people maybe are getting tired and he's, he just still keeps going. Was that, was that the case against Dijon? Yeah, I think it was. He's come on literally, I think, in the last 70th, so he's had that burst of energy. Yeah. So, fair play to him, he's done what he's needed to do. There was, there was an image that I saw from this game, you can maybe tell me about it. There was a, yeah. it, it was at a corner yeah. and Neymar had his arms around you. Yeah. And it looked like he was sort of trying to, you know, trying to, trying to stop you and then yeah. you know, we, we, we saw you and you just started laughing. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> not happened? sure. I'm not quite sure. I was obviously just coming into the box and he's just hugged me and I was, I was just confused and obviously I was just like, what are you doing? And he just started laughing. So it was a friendly hug but... He was a nice guy. Seems like a nice guy. Was he? Def- he was defending against you. Yeah, he was defending against me, but I think he was he was joking around. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> was it a moment where you thought, "Yeah, what on earth a- is going on? I'm at the Parc des Princes being hugged by Neymar." Yeah, it was crazy, but it's, obviously you got to focus on the game as well. So it was just like I didn't think of it twice until after. I'll tell you what, boys. Uh, rather Jonathan Panzo playing against those two than 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 me, and uh, probably you two as well. Actually, uh, all of us together, but. Very interesting to 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 hear from him, um, and I did see really really telling statistic of of those hundred goals that he scored for PSG, uh, Kylian Mbappe, thirty three in the first half of games, sixty seven, my maths is uh, still good, in the second half, and and I think about thirty of those coming in the final fifteen minutes. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to to say that he's a flat track bully, but he he really is is a major, major threat. As Dijon found out, he scored twice late against them, didn't he, uh, in, in that game. He's also got 51 of those away from home. So when teams are trying to play a little bit more, trying to push up a little bit more, play higher up the pitch against PSG, being a little bit more brave, he's absolutely killing them. Well, I think you're right, uh, Ian. And uh, I'll, I'll put this to Robbie, because Robbie, you, you, you watch him um, very regularly killing Mbappe, and he just does seem to grow and grow as as the games progress, and I remember I had the pleasure of interviewing Arsene Wenger last year, and uh, and he said, yeah, you know, it's it's a, a simple equation. Um, if after twenty minutes, Kylian Mbappe runs at me at seventy percent, I have to go one hundred percent to keep up with him. If in the second half of the game, Kylian Mbappe then starts running at you at ninety percent, you have to go one hundred twenty percent to keep up with him, and you just about do it. But then in the last twenty minutes, he goes one hundred percent, you're dead, and that that's the problem, Rob, isn't it? Yeah, I think that I think that is athletically. He's an, he's an incredible athlete. He's 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 powerful. He's also skillful. He's made for this quick transition type of football as well. Paris Saint Germain know that they have most of the ball. They'll create most of the chances in a match. An opposition defense knows that they're in for a big night. It's it's mental as well as physical. They they've got to stay focused, completely focused, a hundred percent for ninety five minutes. It's not easy, and it just takes that one little lapse. It takes that one little bit of, of fatigue that, that comes in at the end of a match of chasing Killian and Neymar and Di Maria and Moise Kien as well. So, you know, any opportunity, you're in trouble. I was just going to say, though, let's not talk about just Mbappe just being this pace meister. Right? I mean, well, I think what's, what's really telling is what you, you mentioned, Robbie, what is nearly a half century of assists along with those 100 goals. So at some stage, that pace is going to go. And we're talking in about seven, eight years, probably. But in the, it, when, that, when that does happen, assuming he doesn't get any terrible hamstring injuries or something like that, but assuming that happens, his pace goes, he's still got the quality. He's still got the skill, the vision, and the ability to play that final pass. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's probably going to dominate world football for the next decade. The, the stats are a goal every 60 minutes this season and an assist every 90 minutes. 
So an assist per match and two goals every every nearly every game. That's going to be fascinating to see how Mbappe gets on against uh, Leon. Uh, this Sunday. By the way, if you want to know a bit more, hear a bit more about Jonathan Panzo and uh, the chat I had with him, uh, the interview will uh, will be um, broadcast on the Ligue 1 show this week, our weekly Ligue 1 magazine that you can watch um, notably on BT Sport in the UK. And it will also be published on Le Bourgeois on, on our platform. Um, so do keep your ears peeled for that one, we're going to move on to the uh, to the next big game. Ears ears peeled? Is that not right? Ian? Yeah, I was just wondering. Do, do we eyes peel peeled? ears? We definitely keep peel your, eyes. Keep your ears open. Lille against Monaco, chaps. Um, that was the game of the weekend, certainly on paper. Andy Scott commentating this one between two sides that started the weekend just two points off the summit. Cross to Ikone. Step over from Ikone. It comes to Jonathan David, who's onside and tucks it into the net. Lila in front and Jonathan David gets his second league on goal. Now Lille can break. This is big trouble perhaps for Monaco. Burak Yilmaz will look to tee up his compatriot. Yazici is 2-0. The Turkish combination working wonders. Fabregas lifts it forward. Monaco are in here perhaps and they've got a goal back. It might just be too little too late. But it's Pietro Pellegrini who scores it. Well, Robbie, uh, Monaco a bit disappointing uh, in this one, but I think we have to give credit to Lille, don't we? They played uh, on Thursday night again in the Europa League. They had to dig deep against Sparta Prague, came from behind to, to win and book their place in the knockout stages. Um, and ultimately, that you know, again, they looked the better team than Monaco and thoroughly deserved the 2-1 win. Yeah, absolutely. They've got such quality. I mean, we, we've got to stop being surprised by Lille, I think, as this season goes on. Jonathan David getting a, getting amongst the goals again, so he seems to have turned the corner. I like Jonathan Ikone a lot, I think. What, was it a real assist or a, a defender's foot in there? Because it was a, a lovely assist at any rate. The build-up player, the little jinx, the passes. Then the, the Turks, Yilmaz and Yazici uh, combining for the, for the second goal. They look very good. They, they're, they're solid. I like Monaco as well, and I think they... they it wasn't just a disappointing Monaco. It was a very good Lille. They're, they're so good on the counter-attack, so good on the transitions. But Monaco haven't had their last word this season either. And Ian, you've got to love Buart Yilmaz. I mean, I feel like this guy has... He hasn't transformed Lille, but he's just given them this... There's a lot of man love for, for, for Well, Buart he's Yilmaz. got this physical presence in attack. Uh, he's afraid of nothing. Because he's played in Turkey all his career, we don't know him that well. And perhaps he doesn't have the reputation that he, that he should have. Because this guy, had he been playing in the Premier League, had he been playing in La Liga, I'm sure he would have done well. I mean, you know, 35 years of age, but what a signing. It, fabulous signing. And I think it was a really smart bit of business because they knew they knew that they were losing Aussie men who, who kind of had it all, the physique and the, and the goal-scoring ability. They're bringing in Jonathan David to, to essentially replace him. Very sort of, very different player. And as we've seen has taken time to adapt because he doesn't have quite that physicality that uh, just literal physique that, that Ossiman has. And Burak Yilmaz is there to try and compensate for that and trying to make up for that. And also, I mean, that's something that Jonathan David's going to learn from Burak Yilmaz. And he's just taken that, that weight off them and he's chipped it. I don't, I can't imagine that Lille expected him to get that many goals to be this effective. I'm pretty sure that they're surprised with how quickly he's adapted 
to, to, to French football, particularly at that sort of age. But he, he just looks a, a fabulous sort of player, that exactly the sort of player that Lille needed this season. Lille and Lyon have uh, 26 points apiece. PSG have 28. So, you know, it's tight. Lyon, if they can win at the park, they go top. If it's, if it's a draw, then uh, Lille have the chance to, to go level with PSG at the top. So, you know, it's great, great to see a, a competitive title race. Um, long, long may it continue. We'll go with our Deja Who now. We'll uh, give the listeners an opportunity to join in uh, a little bit. Um, last week's Deja Who, I was born where you find France's most famous chateau, but I swapped the Ile de France for the Côte d'Azur to kickstart my career. I was the fourth youngest player ever to make my Ligue 1 debut when I stepped into the top flight in September 2012 after being busy as a bee, brackets, Brentford, I am now flying high by the seaside. Um, vague Brighton seagull reference. They're, they're, they're the notes that Ian Holyman put. Um, our regulars got it. Of course, Liam Wraith, Adam Cyrilnik, Habib Bar. Well done, guys. Uh, Neil Mopé. Neil Mopé, who's um, formerly of Nice and Saint-Étienne, going great guns in England with, uh, with Brighton. Now, this week, um, Ian's concocted uh, another beauty. So, listen to the clue if you think you know the answer uh, I know that Adam um, Habib and Liam will be uh, will be keen to, to to send in their correct answers but anyone else feel free to compete with these guys um, league1podcast at gmail.com that's our email or you can use the hashtag Le on Twitter so, uh, so here we go I didn't get much of a chance to shine at my first club which is also my hometown club and the only team that I've played for in France Talking of shining, you should see my medal collection. I've got almost as many as my age. I've played and play for some of the biggest clubs in Europe. And I do look good in lederhosen. Hmm, Ian. <laughs> you, may be, you may be giving it, it away with, with, that, with that last one, but I like it. If you think you know the answer, uh, send us using the hashtag LeBourgeois or... Use uh, our email address, league1podcast at gmail.com. Robbie, we're going to go to to one of your commentary matches this weekend. Nîmes against Marseille, a southern derby at the Stade de Costière. Here's what happened. Good ball over the top. Benedetto controls. Benedetto shoots. And Benedetto scores. Two goals in two matches. For Ligue 1, for Dario Benedetto. Now the cross, Germain. All too easy. Where was the Nîmes defence? Awol. And Valéo Germain gets his second of the season. Well, Robbie, Marseille just keep on winning, don't they? And with that win on Friday, they went second. They have dropped down to fourth, but they've got two games in hand. Um, Again, I'll put the question to you. Was it a logical and fair result? It was completely a logical and fair result. Nim uh, battled hard. Nim did what they could in the first half. In particular, it was scoreless at the break. There were there were very few chances. They limited that. They only really had one chance in the whole game. Nim and it was a Nicholas Eliasson free kick, which hit the top of the crossbar. It was a lovely free kick, and Mondonda was was probably beaten. But it came just moments after Marseille had had their best chance of the first half as well. In the end, the goals came in the second half. Dario Benedetto scored his only hat-trick 
for Marseille against Nîmes last season in this fixture was there. Valère Germain got the second. In between those two goals, a red card for Andres Kubas, um, which really, well, just sealed the fate for, for Nîmes. But um, it, it was a solid performance from Marseille. A word on the, the sending off. Completely deserved to deserved yellow cards for Andres Kubas, but he's a quality player. Kubas, I really like him. He's a fantastic ball winner. And if he is struggling and is frustrated and, and giving away a first card for a slap in the face while going for a header on, on Rangier, the second for, for bringing down Sanson, who was bursting away, um, that's, that's difficult for them. They, they struggled. They tried to change their formation a little bit for this one, played a 4-4-2 to not just sit back and be dominated like they have been so far this season. But they've got players missing. They had Florian Miguel playing in the centre of defence. He was at fault for the first goal and probably for the for the second as well. Uh, Marseille too strong. Marseille confirming for me that they, if not consciously, subconsciously focusing on Ligue 1, even when, after only a couple of defeats in the Champions League. Obviously now they, they got their first win of the, of the campaign, but they're... Their Champions League campaign remains a bit of a mystery to me and I, I clearly think it was a psychological problem because in Ligue 1 they look fine. That's the question I was going to put to you, Ian. I was going to say, is it just a question of level and that this Marseille team isn't good enough to go and compete in the Champions League um, but is good enough to, to play in Ligue 1 or is it a psychological issue, as Robbie says? I think, I think Robbie's absolutely right. I think it's all in the head. You look at the players that they've got on the pitch, compete in the Champions League is... That's a strong word. Okay, then they're not. They if the, their best hope was to get into the the next stage, the last sixteen, and that's about as far as you would have expected them to go. And if they got through to that, or if they get through to that, then okay, then yeah. But I mean, compete in the group because they haven't done that. They, they lost their first yeah. four games, and they should be at least competing, taking points off Olympiacos and Porto in those yeah, first games. They certainly making it more difficult for them than than they did. Uh, they, they certainly should. And, and the question now is: is do they actually want to get through? To get into the Europa League, is that is that actually going to be a good thing for them? I mean, if if I were them, and this is a little bit cheeky, but I'd be tempted to not. Go no, they've shown in the past that the Europa League they can they can enjoy it, they can go a long way. Yeah, yeah. but to the detriment of what their potential league and title yeah, challenge. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you in because you look at a squad like Lille, and I was thinking, how are you going to keep? Yazici happy? How are you going to keep Bikoni happy? And I think it's great for Lille that they have these matches because they have the squad that Marseille don't have. Absolutely. If you look at that, that it's, a, it's a strong 11, it's a strong 12, and then we're starting to drop in quality. So I personally, I think that secretly, they're never going to admit this, but I think they'll be relatively happy to miss out on the Europa League and put all their eggs in the league in the league and basket. Well, they are making some surprising admissions because this week... Um, Andre Villas-Boa said, oh yes, we, we made a mistake with our signing of Luis Enrique. He did, didn't say we, didn't, we shouldn't have bought him. He said we wanted to get a number nine and in fact he can't play number nine. He's more of a sort of, you know, a wide uh, attacking player. I mean, it's pretty amazing to say that given they are <laughs> cash-strapped and what did they spend, 12 million on him? Um, you know, which is a big signing. Um, it, it, is Villas-Boa being a bit too honest? Is he trying to... to to fire shots at his uh, sporting director? Well, uh, again, there's been ructions, hasn't there? I mean, Andres Villas-Boas had to be persuaded by his squad to stay at Marseille last summer. No doubt about that. Payet, Mondonda, Alvaro Gonzalez, all playing a large role in him 
what looks like seeing out the second year of his of his contract. I mean, he's been particularly spiky in recent weeks, hasn't he? Mm. I mean, Robbie got he got sent off, didn't he? Yeah, on he got Friday, sent off midway through, well before the, before half time, he he was sent off. But he's got a little bit that character, doesn't he? I like him. I like I like his communication. I think he's honest and at least gives the impression of being very honest in his post match um, work with the media. He he analyzes the situation well, but I think he's also very very clever. I think he knows what he's saying. If he says something like that, it's 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 on purpose. It's the same as we saw with Thomas Tuchel during the Mercato, the little things he, the little comments he made about Paris Saint Germain's transfer dealings and and how the club is run on and off the pitch. These guys are smart coaches. They're smart men. They know how to communicate. If he's saying that he was, I mean, he was upset when Zubi Zaretta left as well. He he's yeah. A, Zubi Zaretta was replaced as sporting director by Pablo Longoria, and we know mm-hmm. that. Fias Boas was, was very close to Zubi Zaretta and he made it clear he was upset about that. Yeah, exactly. So if he says these sorts of things, if he comes out and says, well, this is, you know, this is a signing we didn't get the player we hoped for, he's obviously trying to make a point and put someone back in their place. And the thing is, these coaches live and die by, by these signings. Exactly. Because, it's not often the sporting director that, that exactly. gets sacked after four losses when the, in a row. Exactly. When the results are bad, when Marseille are not scoring goals, and people say it's Villas-Boas' fault, and if he hasn't got the striker that he wanted, then maybe he wants to make that point publicly. And that sort of brings us on to our, to our talking point here, um, which is... Case in point. Liga managers. Liga managers, and unfortunately we don't have Patrick Vieira um, as a Ligue 1 Uber Eats manager these days. He was sacked by Nice uh, late on Thursday. It was confirmed on Friday morning following their 3-2 loss um, at home to Leverkusen. They're now out of the Europa League. It was their fifth straight defeat. Um, Robbie, you commentated their match on Sunday. They they managed to get a 0-0 draw um, against uh, Reims. So they've stopped the rot. Um, what did you make of, of Sunday's game? Uh, nice were the better side. Probably, which, you know, is uh, unfortunate for Rance because Rance are at home and Rance need to turn their season around as well. Um, by all accounts, the, the players are quite close to Adrian Ursia, who's a 53-year-old Romanian who spent most of his career playing and then coaching in, in Switzerland with uh, Servette Geneva. So um, he's, Robbie, he's taken over from so Vieira he's taken over on, on a caretaker basis? No, no, he is the coach. The Jean-Pierre Rivere, the president, said... This is not a caretaker interim um, posting. Adrian Ursia is the coach at least until the end of the season. We'll see how he go. He was assistant coach to Lucien Favre for two years. He went back to Switzerland. He returned last year as assistant coach to Patrick Vieira. Um, can I talk quickly about Patrick Vieira's two and a half years at Nice as well? When he signed, Mario Balotelli was want away. He'd almost signed for Marseille. The deal never happened. Basically, Balotelli didn't score a single goal in the first six months of Patrick Vieira's tenure with Nice. He had no other striker. After six months, Balotelli went to Marseille and the president, Jean-Pierre Rivert, and sporting director, Julien Fournier, both left the club. So Vieira had this feeling that he'd been, well, had the rug pulled out from under his feet, more or less. He then created a, a strong working relationship with Gauthier Ganet, who came in as president for the current, well, for the the owners of the club then, which were Chinese-American investors. Um, he brought in Gilles Grimandi, who was a good friend of his from, from the Arsenal days as well. And he managed to work through a very difficult time at Nice. This was, this was very difficult. The Chinese-American investors wanted to sell the club. They had a temporary president, 
temporary sporting director, Patrick Vieira, had players that were aging, uh, that were, were on their way out. They tried things like Wesley Schneider, Balotelli, things that just hadn't worked. It was a club in all sorts of trouble. Last year, Ineos came in, and all of a sudden, Fournier and River came back. They missed out on the Mercato last year because the deal only went through six days before the end of the transfer window. So they managed to bring in a couple of players right at the end. Last year was a, a second, if you like, transition year for Patrick Vieira. And then this year, the transfers were done early. Things were looking good. There was more ambition. And I think that is one of the factors that have led to this is the disappointment in Europe because Nice want to be a European side. They want to have, they want to have a window for their young players as well because that's part of their, their policy as well. And that's been, that's been disappointing. And I think that Vieira, as much as anything, is a victim of this ambition that Fournier and Rivera and Nice um, think they have at the moment. And uh, look, I think it's unfortunate for him. I don't think he's had a lot. He's had injury problems. He's had players missing out as well. They've been playing in Europe and in Ligue 1, which we know has been a problem not just for Nice this year. But uh, look, he, he's gone. And I think it's ultimately... Because if you lose the dressing room, if the players don't have confidence in you, that's what Fournier and River see. So, so that's it for Pat, unfortunately. I Personally, I think it's a ridiculous decision. I mean, yes, they've conceded nine goals against Leverkusen in the Europa League. Yeah, they've conceded, what, six against uh, Slavia Prague. Yes, it's disappointing. But yes, the, the transfers were done early. But you've bought Amin Guiri. Didn't make it at Lyon. Has started really well at Nice, but he's... He's 21. Kasper Dolberg, your top scorer from last season. He's had COVID-19. He's had injuries. You've, you've got players who haven't really come, come on as, as well as you would have liked, like Alexi Claude Maurice. But again, he's, he, he's in his early 20s as well. I mean, they brought in Schneiderlin to, to get some experience, but then they've lost Dante. And, and, and Dave has made the point in the last couple of weeks that for him, that was the end of Nice's season. And Liz Melu is out injured at the moment as well. We've just I mean, talked. We just talked about how how important Burak Yilmaz is for a for an inexperienced Lille front line. Well, how ex- how important do you think Dante was for people like Flavius Daniliuk, who's what nineteen? Robson Bamboo, first experience in Europe in his early twenties. Stanley and Stanley Stocky, and Andy Pelmar, they're all kids. They're all yeah. kids. Mm. They and brought in Hassan Kamara and Ronnie Lopez, both of whom are established uh, league players. Kamara's played. Kamara's played really well. They've got a great goalkeeper mm. in, in Walter Benitez. And then you just go and throw everything up in the air. Yes, five defeats in all competitions. But teams with young players like that are going to go through those sorts of ups and downs. Vieira was really building something. Let's not, he finished fifth last season. Fifth. With a team which isn't as good as the one that he's got now or yeah. that he had now. Maybe no. victim of that ambition from that fifth place finish last year. I think it is. I think it is tough. I know Nice fans. We talked about it last year. Aren't happy with the with the with the style of play, the game that Vieira is developing or not developing. I do wonder if the relationship with Jean Pierre River was ultimately not not strong enough. Just to bring in uh, a listener, Dylan Topham, who is uh, I think a Nice fan in East Lancashire. He's either that or he's just a nice fan in East Lancashire. But perhaps he is both. Uh, thanks, Dylan. He says, I found your discussion debate on Patrick Vieira uh, in the last episode very interesting. I strongly agree that a lack of consistency is one of the key problems that Nice have had, partly due to injuries and the coronavirus, but also resting players for the Europa League. I hope a new manager is appointed soon. Well, we've got Adrian Ursia, uh, who has been confirmed. He says, uh, Dylan says, I wish the best to Patrick Vieira. However, it was a positive sign to keep a clean sheet against a struggling Rouse. 
The need to get an experienced centre-half is paramount. Um, any new signing could uh, gain the trust and respect of the squad that Dante has maybe uh, had for too long. Um, you know, he, he talks about Dante uh, being out. That is massive. Christoph Erel um, also leaving the club. I think a defender is top of their list for for January. And like like we said before, you know, they've got, what, 18 points. It's not like they're down in the relegation zone. Mm. Nice's season can still be uh, kind of uh, salvaged, can't it? Absolutely. How about a name for that January transfer window? Like Yunus Abdelhamid, for example. He would be ideal, surely, for that Nice back line. Exactly. Yunus Abdelhamid would be ideal in just about anything. Yeah, He's hard, a fantastic to, hard player. to convince Rams to, <laughs> to, to sell him, I would guess. They just Is sold it? Axel de Sassi last, last, last I, I don't know. I mean, and also maybe he would quite fancy the move to the Court d'Azur. I have to say, following. Robbie did a, a brilliant job in the commentary of, of just identifying the players yesterday because it was a real fog in uh, in, in Rance during that game and uh, Robbie got all the all the names spot on probably not the ages to be fair but <laughs> no, definitely fair. got the definitely got the names right but I mean Abdelhamid uh, produced a, a brilliant block when Jeffrey and Adelaide uh, looked mm. like he was going to yeah. score and that was that was early on Jeffrey and Adelaide started the game very well and then just slowly just just disappeared out of the game Nice got worse and worse as the as the game went on they started quite brightly. A quick wrap of uh, what's happened around the country, the games we haven't mentioned. Rennes nil, Lens 2. Lens going great guns, more goals for Ganago and Calimuendo. And uh, Rennes, well, Julien Stefan was saying we need to stop talking about Europe and start trying to uh, avoid relegation. We're, we're fighting relegation now, which is quite a... One win in 13 quite a big in all statement. competitions for Rennes. That what? is... Uh... Not good. I don't know why. They, why are they talking about Europe? Because they're out of it anyway. No, I mean, but I mean, quali- I think you meant qualifying for Europe. Oh, I see. We need, we need to, you know, <laughs> people season. have got to stop talking about Champions League and, and, and Europa League. No, listen, this is a team. Don't forget, two months ago, we were all saying they've had the best Mercato in France. Mm. They're in the Champions League. There was so much excitement around this club. Yeah. And again, I was listening to pundits over the weekend saying what a dreadful Mercato they had. And, uh, you know, it, it's so easy to say now. L'Equipe had them top of the mm. Mercato. And... Things haven't things haven't quite panned out, but we'll 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 save that discussion for, for for another day. Maybe under, Rob, well, go on okay. then. Yeah, okay. Leave it for another day. Yeah, we'll leave it for another day. <laughs> uh, Angers two, Lorient nil. Lorient uh, are in trouble. They're now second from bottom. Angers going great guns. Bordeaux one, Brest nil. Hatem Ben Arfa continuing to uh, uh, fire Bordeaux's revival. He scored the winner. Nantes nil, Strasbourg four. Now Strasbourg were really struggling. This is a big win for them. And it might spell the end for Christian Gorkouf, the Nantes manager, who we talked about losing the dressing room, um, Vieira and Nice. Gorkouf is, is really struggling, isn't he, Rob? I think so. And it might just have saved Thierry Laurie his job as well. So what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I'll tell you, I'll tell you who many, many Ligue 1 teams have missed out on Habib Diallo. What on earth were they doing? I mean, Nantes, for example... Habib Diallo would have been fabulous. He would have been fabulous again. We're talking about Abdelhamid before. It wasn't cheap though. What ten or eleven million? No, they, exactly. they, they but, paid Mets. But yeah, good player. But but even so, he's probably gonna, he's got four goals already for Strasbourg in what seven appearances. He's probably going to get close to twenty goals this season. Well, if you want to talk about young young players as well, Colo Mwani, I think is a fantastic young player. But he is a France under twenty one international up front for Nantes. He was on loan, I think, at Boulogne sur Mer last season. This year, he's up front. You know, it's not easy for a, for a 20-year-old to, to shoulder all the goal-scoring responsibility of a, of a club that's battling down the other end when you need to take your chances. 
Nantes side on paper is not that bad either. But uh, and that's that's what's dangerous for for Monsieur Gorkouf, I think, uh, because they're they're not performing as they should be. I was going to say yes, yesterday, uh, Dimitri Lionel, who I'm a big fan of, um, scored a, scored a penalty and then sends over a corner. Diallo gets the header. Lafont saves it, and who's there for his own rebound? It's Diallo before any of the non. It, it was it was a classic striker's goal. It was a goal scorer's goal. He's just on the move all the time. He's playing really, really well. And, you know, Ligue 1 club scouting departments of that sort of fifth to uh, mid-table range, what on earth are you looking at when you haven't seen that Habib Diallo is available? He wanted to leave. The Mets wanted to sell him. Get your 10 million out and you've got a 20, 20 goal a season. I think he wanted striker. to go to the Premier League and perhaps a lot of clubs assumed mm. that a Premier League team would sign him. But and maybe it, Strasbourg yeah, it won the race. Maybe Strasbourg offered yeah. him something... That Nantes couldn't. Nantes are uh, 14th. They're not um, in relegation trouble at the moment. Um, the other scoreline from the weekend, Dijon nil, Saint-Étienne nil. Um, another clean sheet for my friend Jonathan Panzo. But Dijon's still bottom. Uh, they're level on points, eight points. They've got Lorient also have eight points. Just above them, Reims and Strasbourg on 10 points. Nîmes have 11, Saint-Étienne 12. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be tight. It's going to be uh, an interesting battle to avoid the drop as well. Uh, just time to look ahead to next weekend. Some cracking fixtures coming up. So uh, let's let's get on our TGV um, and uh, let's go on a bon voyage. So uh, the round 14 action kicks off at Saint-Étienne. Saint-Étienne against Angers on Friday the 11th of December, 9pm local time, 8 in the UK, live on BT Sport. The two standout fixtures in terms of the title race uh, on Saturday, Marseille against Monaco, 5pm in France. You can watch that on BT Sport uh, in the UK, 4pm uh, in, uh, in the United Kingdom. And of course, the crunch on, uh, on Sunday night, Paris Saint-Germain versus Lyon. At the Parc des Princes, do watch that 8 p.m. in the UK on BT Sport, 9 p.m. European time. Um, Robbie, Ian, let's go to you first. Robbie, where do you fancy going this weekend? I think Marseille-Monaco is a a very exciting clash. I think Monaco, uh, inconsistent at the moment, but certainly have uh, the potential, the quality to cause Marseille some problems. And uh, as a Paris Saint-Germain sympathiser, I wouldn't mind seeing someone take a few points off Marseille because they're uh, looking quite threatening back there, just uh, four points behind with two games in hand. Well, Matt, we both had to stifle laughs when Robbie said PSG sympathiser, but still, he's sitting here with a Parc des Princes uh, hoodie on. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna avoid the obvious one, and uh, instead of saying Parc des Princes, I'm going to say Stade Pierre Mora for uh, Lille against Bordeaux. That's a, that's a game you can see as well at 4pm uh, on BT Sport in the UK. Uh, Lille, we've talked about how, what's, what sort of form they're in. Um, of course, they've got another Europa League game coming up this week. But Bordeaux, cheeky. They're, they're coming up just on the rails. Hatton Ben is in fabulous form. Really nice goal he got yesterday as well. Ran the show uh, against Brest. Produced a, a, a wonderful ball. I mean, really a wonderful pass for Huang Weijou, um, who also produced a brilliant bit of control and uh, Gauthier Lassner. Made a great save, but but Ben Arthur's on apps. He's just on fire right now. So that game up there in the north of France could be a real cracker. Well, you know what? I'm going to go to the Hatem Ben Arthur Eco, um, as they call it now. Nice against Rennes on uh, 
on Sunday at, at, at 1 p.m. These were two teams um, that Hatton Ben Arthur played for and did well for, but two teams that started this season in Europe. Paris start- Saint-Germain versus Lyon, Matt. Just oh, no. Paris Saint-Germain Ben Arthur Ecos, amazing. <laughs> oh, neither of which feature Hatton Ben Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Nice and Wren, you know, so much optimism at the start of the season. What is going wrong? There's going to be tension. Adrian Ursia, his first uh, home game, or was it home against Rance? No, he was at home against Rance at the... No, he was away to Rance, sorry. First home game for Adrian Ursia against uh, Ren. And um, yeah, Julian Stefan struggling. So, you know, that'll be nice. And uh, um, I want to go to Nice because it's always lovely down there. There we go. Um, we're going to head out into the uh, drizzle of Paris and get on with our week. We do hope you've enjoyed uh, the latest edition of Le Bourgeois. Uh, and we, we will look forward to seeing you again next week. All the very best, everybody, from Robbie Thompson. Ian Holyman, me, Matt Spirit, it's time to say au revoir. Bye bye, everyone. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. A goal back. Oh, Benyatta, beautifully done. Sensational.